0: Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Is this exciting or what? (laughs) Oh, Father. Oh, Father, Father, Father. I just want to first start out with, uh, you know, everything's about relationship. I don't want to bring attention and embarrass, but, you know, the ark that we've been asked to build next door, what we're working on, uh, has brought a number of people in my life And so there was uh, a couple that first started out with a gentleman. Uh, His name was Gus. And uh, F-L-E-P, correct? His last name. He's Norwegian. And he's a good-looking guy, yeah. But anyway, and then I, of course, talked about the story because when we went to Norway to pray... When we got off the ship, there was this gentleman who was Norwegian, and his beard was about this long. His hands were at least two or three times my size. His cheeks were really, really rosy. Big, big man, and wearing a Santa Claus outfit. <laughs> he didn't speak English, but the young girl next to him did. And an incredible man. And if you never believed in Jesus, excuse me, into, into Santa Claus, you would when you saw this gentleman. It was awesome. But uh, Gus came in the very first time that I saw him. You could see this relational setting, and I, I think that he sensed it as well. Uh, the guy had brought us together, uh, he had a couple young men that did the sheetrock work, and just incredible, incredible, two young men. And then uh, last week, I get believe it was, he brought his wife Brenda over as he was picking up some of his equipment. And so they came this morning. There was this heart uh, gathering you could sense when they came. And so I wanted to make sure that I had stated that. Because I'm going to try this morning to take uh, this through. Kathy suggested that I, uh, you can pull this down just a little bit, Ben, uh, that I maybe do a little review, because not realizing that as we started all of this, uh, it was the Passover season. That was April 19th. And this all kind of started to kick off. And in that setting, um, I tried to follow a little bit of the notes. Is that, um, just a little bit down, a little bit more bent, that uh, there was this awareness of this time of visitation. And we were just trying to figure out, because I believe it was the first Sunday that we actually did streaming. And it was kind of different for us, because the last couple of years the Lord has really allowed us as a family to become very intimate very interactive in our gatherings and so it's been kind of um, uh, restraining to some degree because our worship we love to worship and so we get into creative worship as well as songs and the hugs absolutely and so the relationship and the, and the participation and stuff uh, has been kind of different And so I just wanted to walk through um, pretty much what has transpired since then if you have not been able to either listen to the words or if you haven't been a part of the services and the gatherings. Because it started out of how special our relationships were and this awakening inside that was taking place. And that we were so aware of this family place and this thing that we were in. And of course the father began to speak about to recognize an anchor as we move forward. And our affection for one another was the basis of that relational anchor, that setting that he was the center of our relationship. And he started out with this whole story of Noah. Kathy and I had watched this during the Passover setting and there was something that, that quickened inside of me. And of course Isaiah 43, at that time this whole uh, pandemic was starting to take place, and he was saying, fear not, I'm yours, I've got this under control, and so it was something that really was uh, stirring in my heart, but also trying to be so much aware that there was something entirely new that he was about to do, not just because these circumstances that were around us, because this world is ever-changing, but he's a constant. And so in turn we were beginning to see how he was starting to release the very power of his presence. April 26th was the second time when it was the promise of his coming and the continuation of the beginning of creation, the years of prayer and the things that were establishing, people who cried out for many years, talking about Babylon and realizing that God was about ready to change the economics and the things that were taking place in the earth. And so we began to see that we... Uh, Even asked the question, what if that were taking place now? How would we respond? Seeing how the Father was beginning to allow us to experience these things from a different perspective. And then he spoke about establishing, would we be willing to participate and be a part of building this ark? As it was in the days of Noah. But not just a physical ark, but a spiritual house, a place of refuge. And the very thing that he had in his heart. To establish for this upper valley, for those that we recognize that were part of the greater family, the body of Christ, and in turn, how we would all begin to respond in that way. And of course, Seth's word that came during the Feast of Tabernacles of that very setting, that we have been asked to be a part of the story that the Father was writing, and would we say yes? Would we be a part of that? And then I was believe it was May 3rd, it was the atmosphere was beginning to change as the days of Noah. We were purposed and setting our hearts not to let eschatology that our theology get in the way. And do we believe what we read or do we read what believe we believe? And it began to change or alter the way we began to look at things and the way that I began to approach it. My heart was so set, realizing there was so much that was taking place, that I just want to pray because everything that was framed in the heart of the father was according to his timing and we talked a little bit about that but father i need you right now i ask that you would father minister your word father i ask that the very presence of your holy spirit would come quiet my soul open our hearts to hear what you have to say father your love your covenant your love for humanity, your love for creation, your intervention, always in behalf of the lives of those, Father, that your son sacrificed his life for. And so, Father, I ask that you would just grant the Holy Spirit to minister to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, a time of visitation, let me pull this down a little bit then. Just a little bit, higher. Everything centered around our lives, relationships, everything about a story. We've been speaking about Psalms 139, and I would encourage you again, formed and fashioned by the hand of the Father, even before you entered your mother's womb. Verse 16, that the book written concerning of your days ordained before you that are coming? Yes, Val? (laughs) Because that's your ministry. That's part of your story. And that before the foundation of the world, again, that we're now, even before one day, as yet we had actually walked out, God had purposed and planned. And then Kathy talked about Mother's Day, that every mother has a story. And then I'm looking at the scriptures, and I'm beginning to see this story that was written by the Father, both starting with that and the manuscripts, all of that which the Father began in the beginning wrote. And I was realizing, I was looking as I was reading, I'm seeing verses, I'm seeing uh, chapters, I'm seeing people's comments, commentaries, subtitles. And I began to ask the father about this story that he has written and his desire to make it known. And it really wasn't until the 4th century did there actually verses, the numbering of verses take place. Other than the book of Psalms. those were all identified by David's songs. A few by uh, Moses and one or two by Solomon. But all of the Bible was really written as a story. And it wasn't until 5 A.D. that they began to start actually having subtitles and the things. It wasn't until 1551 that they actually began to put identification to certain chapters. And I know we talked about how we uh, are influenced by our theology and the things that are taking place all around us. But I began to notice, and I felt that it was important, that those verses that were titled... Excuse me, that were numbered, and the chapters that were numbered, and those scriptures, in turn all of the subtitles, were based upon man's theology. Somebody wrote those. And so I want to encourage you. I know we spoke about this before. Allow the Lord to begin to minister to you in this time that we're hearing as it was in the days of Noah. If there's something for us to really understand and know, it can't be influenced by somebody else's interpretation or thoughts. And this is the thing that I have just really tried to be mindful because there's so much to talk about. There's so much that he's trying to speak to us right now. And in turn, it's all based upon his love. We're going to address the covenant that was established through Noah in that setting. And it's a repetitive setting. It started with Adam and Eve. And it was the heart of the Father that he realized that he needed to intervene in humanity to fulfill the course, the promise, the purpose all that was created in his image to be fulfilled and completed. And so as we walk through this this morning, I want you to be so mindful when we talk about covenant and his promise. It's personal. We may be reading about Noah, but it's personal. Everything that he in turn has spoken and established from the beginning of time, actually even before this earth was formed and fashioned and shaped, God has set all the provisions in course for us to live our lives out. I've tried to to make this practical for the way that we approach this and the things that I'm speaking, and I'm not sure how to do that. I've wrestled with so much that's been uh, revealed and what the Father has been speaking, and so I've been trying to, to continually downsize it and make it simple for myself and more clear that I might really have the ability to convey what's in my heart. I can be emotional. I can bring the things in my heart to the point where I'm not sure to know what to do with them. But I'm going to try my best. Because when we look at chapter, uh, let's go to chapter, let's go to chapter eight of Genesis. Because the Father begins to address his, his reaffirming his covenant with Adam, excuse me, with Noah and every living thing in the land. And in verse 9, chapter 9, verse 11, he says, And God said, 'This This is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living thing, created that is with you for all successive generations. And in verse 13, he says, And I set my bow. Now, it's not a rainbow. Some have interpreted that as a rainbow. I set my bow in the cloud. When I bring a cloud, that the bow shall be seen in that cloud. And the Hebrew for the, for the bow is strength, power, heavenly protection, a warrior's weapon. Begin began to look at these expressions of the father and what he's desiring to do and the expression of what a bow would look like. And I bring it in a cloud. The word speaks about the Father being a mighty warrior. Speaks about that which he has purposed in his heart. That there are expressions of his life that we would see. Psalm 712 he says, He, this is the Father, he bent his bow and made it ready. He also made himself deadly weapons. He makes his arrows fiery shafts. I'm thinking with this covenant in mind I'm thinking of this bow in the clouds it was a place where the father began to see we look at as an opportunity that we are recognizing God's promise but I want to read help me father this morning I ask for your presence to manifest father that I can express exactly what's upon your heart as we move forward in this. It's my desire, Father, that you fulfill everything that you have for this household, for those that are reading and listening, Father, that your heart would be revealed. Verse 14, and it shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth, that that bow shall be seen in the cloud. Verse 16, excuse me, 15. And I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh says again in verse 16, When the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature and all flesh that is on the earth. Verse 17, God said to Noah, This is a sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all the flesh that is in the earth. This reminder of the father of his covenant, his heart and his purpose. Realizing that this sign that we see in the sky Nope, that isn't gonna be it either. Let's go to first Corinthians. I apologize this morning. No, there's something that the Father has really desired to say and I don't want to miss it 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 for I do not want you to be unaware brethren that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized in Moses in the cloud and in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and the rock was in Christ. If there's anything that I've, um, I'm being overwhelmed with, we have put so much in our walking in relationship with the Lord in the future. And I've spoken about this before. But when I began to realize that everything is filled, everything that the Father sees is through his son Jesus. What Paul was trying to say is, is that we talk about the cloud that led the Israelites out of Egypt. It was the same cloud that was in the sky that the Father was pointing to Noah to recognize and see the cloud that was over the tabernacle, when all of Israel would see the pillar of fire, the cloud of God's presence over the sanctuary, over the tabernacle, over the Holy of Holies, everyone knew that it was the presence of the Father. And I've tried to wrestle with this whole setting of, as in the days of Noah were, because there's been so much in my influence of the teachings that have come into my life over all of these years. And I knew that there was something God was speaking that was fresh and anew and that we had to see it. It had to be beyond and more than what we've allowed ourselves either have others' influence or what we've held on to. But this cloud was God's divine presence. This bow was a weapon of warfare. That God is his choice of weaponry. And you can go through a number of the scriptures, and that was his choice, the description that I read to you. And when he saw the cloud, when he placed that cloud when Noah after the flood, and he uh, saved mankind, if you will, as the father provided a way for his seed, for his descendants, for those that were created in his image to be able to carry on, he wanted to make sure that there was a reminder for himself, not just a rainbow for you and I, but that cloud was the cloud of his presence. And inside of that was the bow and the reminder of his love for his creation. And I would try to picture, again, I'm having such difficulty with this, because it's not my imagination. It's, it's word pictures that I've been taking from the word as I've been reading it that's transformed my thinking, my imagery. Because we know we have a loving father. But we also know that the Father also is one who judges. He's The word says he's a warrior. He's the Lord of all. And so as I began to see this more and more, what essentially the Father did, we often look at this rainbow being curved as an arc facing out. But this bull was surely the Father. Because what did he say to Noah? I'm done with mankind. What did he say to Moses when he came off the mountain? I'm angry at these people and I'm going to destroy them. But Moses stood up before the father and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. What about the covenant that you made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And so I'm seeing this whole aspect of our lives, the very thing that we're now seeing transpiring, all the things that are now being shaken around us. And so what I see is is that the father had once his bow but if in fact if what Paul was trying to say because Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth and what I have as a word picture in my mind is is that Jesus was in that cloud that's what caused the father to lay his bow down because he realized that his son had sacrificed for all humanity that the price was already paid and he chose to lay his life down, his weapon down, if you will, because he knew his son had made provision—the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. And so we're talking about the cloud. You can read when Matthew, were the disciples on the mount of, of the Mount of Transfiguration. Who was there? Peter, James, and John, Elijah, Moses. So what happened? A cloud overshadowed them. And it said the disciples were afraid as they walked into the cloud. There were no natural clouds in Noah's day. We we put things to the scriptures that aren't real. There was no rainbow. There were no natural clouds. That cloud was the glory of God that established what he was going to do as a reminder to himself of his love for you and I. And the covenant that he had made with Adam and Eve that was going to be carried on from generation to generation till now and into the millennial setting. That's his love for us. He slowed things down. He's quieted things around us. He's starting to remove things. He's shaking things that only that which can remain will remain. That goes for my eschatology, my theology, what I hold on to as plan B or C, or some economic reserve or something that I might have in place, some extra food or something that I might have as a backup. What was Paul talking about the spiritual food? That was the manna that came down and he was telling those of that day in the New Testament Testament, don't you, don't you miss this opportunity. It was Jesus the whole time. The whole same Jesus that walked with you was the same Jesus that walked with those who came out of Egypt who was in the glory cloud, the very presence of God, that divine covering, that safety, that place that continued to lead his people into the fullness of what the Father was desiring to see take place. And I'm saying, I keep hearing this thing, it's in the days of Noah, over and over and over again, I'm saying, Father, I don't want to miss this. This is so entirely different from anything that I've ever understood before. And I realize that as we see this moving forward, oh my, what a privilege that we who know him, what a privilege that we know that everything that transpires around us, everything is seen through that cross where Jesus laid his knife down and everything is seen through Christ Jesus, the the lamb that was slain. But the risen Lord, And so I'm I'm walking through this setting of how do I, besides being on the Internet and expressing to to people that I don't know, but my heart for you, how do I take us past where we've been, where I has not seen nor ear heard of what God is about to do? But his word is so clear of what he is doing, what he's going to continue to do, and what he will do. Because God is a constant. He's the anchor. He is the faithful one. And it's the hard balance because we we experience and we know his love. And there's times that we experience his chastening because he loves us. That's an expression of his love. And we don't always receive it in that way. But we're not bastard children. We're the sons and daughters of the king. And so he chastens us. And so I honestly believe that as we allow ourselves to to let these word pictures, not our imagination, but let the word come off the page, let the ink come off the page and be written upon our hearts and that our minds would be renewed in this word picture of who God is, who we are, where we are, and where we're about to go. Because he will lead us with his cloud. It won't be a cloud just for us. It might have a rainbow in it that we might remember that He won't flood the earth again. I'm hoping after this whole setting, because there's so much more that I that I don't even know how to express it. Related to the feasts and the things that are all involved with God's appointed time. But I'm hoping that none of us leave these days as we move forward. And miss, miss what God is doing. And this aspect of his life that he wants to to allow us to be a part of. Because ultimately, the invitation was, will you help me build an ark? An ark of my presence, a place of refuge. A spiritual house of living stones. And allow, partner with me, the Father says. That as it was in the days of Noah, you might be that ark, that covenant-carrying tabernacle, if you will, to carry a people that are hopeless, that are, that are lost, that have no idea what's going on around them, and carry them in to the next chapter of what I have planned. I've got to read Revelation 6. Because I've got to wrestle with this. I've got to I've got to be like Jacob. I've got to wrestle this to where I can I can express what's in my heart. Because I can't live my life the way I have. Because everything has changed up. Everything's changed up. And it's for the good. Because it's all purpose that we might be those that can remind people of his covenant. And when we see a cloud, we see Jesus and we see the Father's bow at rest. And if you notice, I'm saying a bow at rest, not put away. Just a bow at rest. If you take the time out, And really search the scriptures and look at the story of Noah. I honestly believe your life will change. Because in Revelation 6, verse 2. And it says, I looked and behold. A white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow. my father and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer the warrior will come back to judge the earth but also come together his bride And if you allow the Father just to write upon your heart who spoke of our identity. We're the Noah's of today. Noah found grace with God. He was just a man. And he walked with God. That's all. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing greater than any one of us. and this foreboding presence I, I, I was looking at my notes and I kept putting happy faces through all of my notes I don't know how to say this I don't know how to express this because it's with such joy but it's also with trepidation because he's entrusted with us a truth that if we'll respond and what does Seth say at tabernacles just say yes yes That crown of that young man that had the vision or the encounter with God. He's in that room with Jesus. And his crown was there. And all of these jewels that were on him. And he asked Jesus, what are all these jewels? He says, every time you said yes. And the only regret the young man had is is that I didn't have more jewels on my crown. And so I see ourselves right now in this move of this of this visitation. I don't know how to, I, I I can't not say that when Seth spoke in, in uh, at the speech Tabernacles, it was a time of visitation. My God, is it? God has come to visit 184 nations, and it's not what they expected. I'm going to say that again. God has come to visit 184 nations. And it's not what they expected. And so, as we, as those who ever listen to this word, we've been invited to to build this ark, the spiritual house, living stones, not with hands. And it all goes back to that very setting that Father's really purpose in his heart for these last two or three years, our relationship with one another. Have you not longed to be with one another? It's been crazy. Tom comes in this morning because I've texted him a couple of times and, you know, he's just laugh and, You know, he. He's he's never sad. He's never unhappy. He's always bubbly. He's always excited. He's excited about life. He's excited about how God's healed his hip. He's excited about where he's working. He's excited about everything. And so I'm thinking, how do I do this, Father? How do I balance this joy of the Lord? But as the scripture says, it's the wonderful and terrible day of the Lord. For some, it's going to be wonderful. And for others, it's not. How do we create the atmosphere that there'll be less that don't have the opportunity to experience the joy? All of these people that were serving in the outreach. All these relationships. You don't have to hit them over the head with your word, with the Bible. Just realize who you are in God. He's inside of you. You're part of the, the ark of His presence. You're part of the living stones. You're one of the living stones that's been fashioned and shaped by the Father. When the first temple was built, there was not one stone that was carved on site. The word says a chisel was not heard in the sanctuaries. Everything was chiseled off site. Every, every stone. And when it came to a symbol tabernacle, the temple, the dwelling place of God, every stone fit. Handcrafted by the hand of God. That's why Paul was trying to say, don't be unaware that Jesus has been in everything before, before this world was even created. And so everything that we see, everything that we do, isn't about something that man has tried to some way put in a capsule and call it theology or a commentary or a subtitle. What's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the spirit is spirit. I'm to listen to Val. I just want you to know because this is this is Val's story. I just want you to know the buses are still running. See, this is the hard part about doing streaming. Because, see, this, this is who we are all the time. And so it's hard to, to compress something into to a box and, and say, oh, look at us here in Praise Chapel. Oh, Father, help us. <laughs> help us, help us, help us. But I hope I know I struggled. I will continue to struggle. Because, thank you, because when you, if I'm allowed, because we're going to take a couple of weeks off, there's just so much, I don't want to overwhelm myself, and I don't want to overwhelm anybody else, because it's got to be simple, it's got to be practical, it's got to be something that we can really experience every day. We have a couple of weeks till Pentecost. Can't even imagine. Can't even imagine what that's going to look like. If this is what he's speaking And he's going to empower that. Do you know what your life is going to be like as a living stone? Greater works. That's what living stones are supposed to look like healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, speaking to the mountain, cast you into the sea, bringing sight to the blind, healing the lepers you got to know some lepers, right? At least they think they are. That's how they see themselves. You run fast, Val. I know you do. Right to that bus. But you prefer someone if someone needs a seat. See, that's Psalms 139 at work. Ordained by God. Every day. Every day ordained by God for Val. And so, Father, somehow you've got to take this and accomplish what you desired to do this morning. Because, because it's far more than what I'm saying. Father, would you grant the Holy Spirit to really give his eyes to see and ears to hear what you are saying not what Lonnie has said but what you are saying and it is all about the covenant that you made with humanity through your son Jesus the lamb that was slain for the foundation of this earth. And the Father that we might say yes like Noah man 55 feet wide 370 feet long 70 feet, well, 75 feet high. And you want me to build this ark. All things are possible with you, Father, because we're part of one another's story. We wouldn't be here if we weren't part of one another's story. And in turn, now we're part of the Father's storyline. Can you imagine that? We read about all these people and say, oh, how blessed they were and how fortunate they were. Oh, I wish I was Elijah or Elisha. (laughs) I wish I could have been Samson. Don't look back. He says the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former. We don't know what that looks like, right. but look around. We know what this temple is going to look at, like. This spiritual house is going to look like, because it has your face and your face and your face. I did. <laughs> I'm waiting. How about you to us? Like Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Because you know what? What's crazy is is that, you know, there's so many things that race through my mind. I hope you got a couple of minutes. There's so <laughs> many things that race through my mind. You, you notice I finally got out of that weight of stuff, yep. trying to make, make it sound right? Anyway, you triggered something. Because, you know, we keep speaking about since the fall of everything that we gave up. I'm sorry, Christine. I don't need to you're moving that camera, stand still for me. We keep saying that so much that was lost after the fall. But if you read in chapter 6 of Genesis, the covenant that the Father made with Noah, he didn't talk about just replenish the earth, multiply, grow your seed. He says the animals fear you and they will come under you. Back to the voices, being able to speak to the animals. See, this is what I love about not streaming. This is what we are. This is what I love about it. Because see, the Holy Spirit triggers things. It awakens, quickens, because that's something important to vow. And if it's important to vow, it's important to the Father and it's important for all of us to hear. And so anyway, now that I've gotten fired up, I got to stop because we'll keep going. I'll go for hour one day. Yeah, I mean I know we've missed each other, but I don't think anybody'll handle another hour now. Not me. No, I think I'm gonna get home sometime today. That's right. Yeah, you got some. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say for your sister and her husband. You got it. Well, Father, I just, I, I just love you, Father. I can't tell you how much I love you. I just thank you for your grace and your mercy. And that we're just mere men and women. But we are going to purpose to walk with you. We're purpose to walk with you. Debbie, was there something you wanted to say? Why don't you come up here and. Then, yeah, come up here so she can get you on the. Uh,
1: I wanted to share um, what took place with my son Elijah and I um, this week. We ran to Home Depot, and um, while we were there, we were just running in for something quick. Um, and while we were there, we had to wait to go in because they're letting people in and out. And I saw this young girl who, you know, she might have been in her 20s. And, I mean, she looked like maybe she was having a really rough day and she kind of looked like she was panicking and she was putting her hands on her head and she was kind of just going really fast and speak like talking to herself and so um, I thought to myself oh I feel so badly for her like she's obviously having a hard time but she had gone by us so fast I looked back and I couldn't see her so we did our shopping and when we went to leave after we paid she was standing around outside at the door, and she came up to us, and she said, "Um, you know, my boyfriend left me here, he stranded me here, Um, do you have any money? And she had a backpack, she looked like she, I don't know she was homeless, I mean, she kind of looked like she might have been, but she went on to talk about, you know, she had her mother, but she was all the way in Manchester, and nobody could come pick her up. Um, And I just recognized in that moment, I had prayed to God the night before, I went to bed. I said, If there's, you know, tomorrow, if there's anybody that you want me to help, if there's anything, anybody out there, then show me, you know, because we know, you know, like the times are going by so fast right now. Um, time is just flying by so fast. And I, I keep hearing the Lord say, Because it's so short. And the enemy knows that his time is short. And so, like, as the church, I'm always looking like, Lord, what else can I do? What is there more that I can do to help those in need and to bring them to Christ? And so when we saw her, I really didn't know what to do. And I I pulled her aside outside, and I said, can you come over here so we can maybe, if you're okay with it, I'd like to pray over you because I didn't have any money, (laughs) Uh, cash on hand. I didn't have anything to really offer her or give her, and it was clear to me that there was some – drugs involved with what she was dealing with, and just by the leading of the Holy Spirit and discernment, and so I pulled her aside, Elijah, and I put my hands on her, and I prayed, and I asked the Holy Spirit to come, and I asked Jesus to fill her, and I kept reminding her that Jesus was real, and that he would send a helper for her, and she kept saying, no, you know, my boyfriend's not coming back, and all of this stuff, and... I I was just so happy that I could pray over her. Of course, I didn't feel like I did enough. I felt like I wished I could have done more for her, because um, I think we're all kind of faced with that sometimes, where we just, the scripture came to me from a few days prior where, um, I don't remember who it was, but in the Bible, and it said, um, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I'm going to give to you. And so that scripture came to my mind, and I thought, well, I did pray for her, and I did ask the Lord to help her and guide her, and um, I actually talked to her like a mother. I found myself talking to her about not allowing men to treat her a certain way. I talked to her about um, being responsible and not doing drugs, and you could just see that the spirits were so at work in her life. When I talked about drugs, she just immediately looked the other way and just would not look at me. It was so clear what was going on, and I just, she got down on her knees, and I just laid my hands on her back, and I just asked the Lord to come. A few minutes later, because I didn't know what was going to happen, a man came, and I think he was a worker from Home Depot, and he you know called her over and he wanted to know what was going on and I said well she's stranded here And he said well we'll get you a ride come sit down over here and we'll get you home because I explained that her home was in Manchester far away and so I help did come um, But of course she needs Jesus and so I just wanted to share the story because wherever we go I just know that there's so many people out there that have the need of Jesus, and, of course, they think that the need is something else. They think it's a boyfriend or they think it's money or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I think at one point I offered to maybe get her to um, not helping hands, but there's something over here for people that are homeless, and I offered that to her, and she didn't seem to be open to anything. So, but, you know, we are... We are because Jesus lives in us. We are. We have the power and the authority given to us to pray over people. And when God shows us somebody, we can't be we can't be worried about what people are thinking because we're we've taken a few moments to pull somebody aside and pray over them um, to help them in the midst of our busy day when we might just be at Walmart or you know or the store or wherever we're at because Jesus wants us to have the eyes and the ears to see in the spirit what's taking place because time is short and that person deserves freedom and God's love and compassion in spite of their situation. Um, Jesus is waiting for her. He's waiting and her name is Ashley, by the way. So I just wanted to ask everybody to please pray for Ashley. I don't know her now and I don't know where she's gone, but I'm believing that God is intervening, and that he's. I'm just a small seed in her life. So,
0: thank you. Hallelujah.
1: Any announcements? Make
0: sure. Yes, ma'am.